he had been a part of our church in California for years. I had been his pastor for seven or eight years, but his family had been part of the church for at least a decade prior to that. And I was told that he had been very active at some point in the past, showing up for work days and teaching the youth and even serving as a leader in the church at one point. But none of that was my experience with him. His wife was active in the church, and when I met his grown children, they all seemed to be sincere Christ followers with a real relationship with Jesus. But to be honest, he came across as very phony to me. He showed up for church a few times a month, and he shook my hand and then disappeared pretty quickly after the service. And then he became ill. Not just a little ill, but very ill. He had cancer, and they said that his cancer was terminal. And I visited with him and prayed with he and his wife a few times, as did each of our elders. After about three months of struggling with his illness, he asked me to come see him, and he said that he wanted to talk to me alone. When I got there, he explained to me that during his illness, he had a lot of time to sit around, and he kept looking for things to do. He had watched daytime TV and had become pretty bored with that, and he had tried crossword puzzles and other puzzle books, and he had tried to read several no novels that had been suggested to him. And I will tell you this last part, the way that he told me, he said, none of those things worked, and so finally, out of sheer boredom, I decided to read the Bible out of sheer boredom. And he remembered me suggesting in a message that he start with the book of Luke and read about the life of Jesus and then uh, move on to the book of Acts. And so he did that. And he read the book of Luke in about two days. And then it took him only a few days to read the book of Acts. And then he just continued to read the entire New Testament. And after telling me he had, he had read all of the New Testament in about a month, he said, Steve, as I read the Bible, I'm discovering that following Jesus is supposed to be pretty life-changing. It's supposed to be a pretty big deal for everyone who claims to be a Christian. And I said, that's absolutely right, Jay. It's supposed to change everything in our world, how we act and how we think and how we treat others and how we spend our time and our money. And that's when he pretty bluntly said to me that he was really ticked off at me. He was ticked off at me and he was pretty mad at the other pastors that he had had over the years too. And I said, why are you mad? He said, because you never told me to take this seriously. He said, you never had a message on the importance of putting Jesus first in your life. Now, trying to be kind, but being a little upset myself at this point, I said, Jay, do you remember when I preached 
this series, and I mentioned it, and he did. He remembered it, and he thought that he had been there for probably about half of the messages in the series, and I said, Jay, that whole series was about making Jesus your Lord, about keeping him in control of your everyday life, and I mentioned that, uh, and I mentioned that I thought that if we went back and looked at some message tapes, that's how we did it back then, cassette tapes, that he would find that I had told him these things, not just occasionally, but routinely. And he is still mad. And he said, I bet you could not give me five tapes of messages that you have preached here at this church on that subject. That's when his wife arrived home. Right at that point, and he heard her car pulling up, and he said, I don't want her to know that I'm mad at you, and I don't want to talk to her about this, so we'll have to talk about this another time. And I agreed, and his wife came in, and I prayed with them, and um, I started to leave. And as I was leaving, he smiled, and he said, please send some of those sermon tapes that we talked about home with Pat as soon as you can. The challenge was on. The next Sunday, I gave him 10 to 15 tapes, a few from every year that I had been his pastor. And Thursday morning of that week, he called and he said that he had listened to all of them, that I was right, that he had been wrong, that I had preached on it. And he said, I don't know why I never heard it, but you clearly preached it over and over. And I said, Jay, why don't you think about why you think you didn't hear it, and maybe that will help me to help other people hear that important message. I said, I'll come see you in a few days, and we'll talk again, and I did. And we talked, and he thought that he didn't hear it because he was too busy with life and kids and hobbies to let himself realize how important following Jesus really was. With tears in his eyes, he said, Steve, when I think about how much of my life I wasted and how many problems I would have avoided altogether if I had just taken Jesus seriously, he said, when I think of that, I'm just filled with regret. I'm filled with regret. And we talked about that for a while, and I prayed with him, and we prayed about letting go of that regret and just living full force for Jesus for the rest of the time that he had left. And I felt like when we were done, he had less regret, he had more peace, but I still had a question. I said, Jay, tell me what I could have done to communicate this important truth in a way that people would hear it. I said, I think most churches are full of people who don't quite get how important this is. How can I make them understand? And I'll never forget his answers. His answer, he said, Steve, I don't have any advice for you. If people don't listen until they get terminal cancer or some other big problem in their life, there's nothing you can do. You see, up until he got ill, he had a problem that many American Christians experience. He was just a nominal Christian. 
just a nominal Christian. His uh, life was not really surrendered and surrounded by Jesus. He was just a nominal Christian. And the words of Jesus in this verse would have described him. Jesus said this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Jay was going through the motions of following Jesus. He was going to church many weeks. He would say that he believed in Jesus, that he loved Jesus. And he even believed that Jesus loved him, but he really hadn't let Jesus impact his life. Jesus was a part of his life, but definitely not that important to his life. See, when there was a mess in Jay's life, he tried to clean it up all by himself, and sometimes that worked. I mean, he tried to solve the problems in his business and in his family, and sometimes he was able to do that. Other times, life just got messier as a result. But in truth, Jesus can make a huge difference if we will let him. He will help us clean up all the messes if we will let him. But many people are playing games with God and they're trying to do it their way instead of his way. And Jesus is waiting on the sidelines of our life while we try to do it ourselves. And he just watches as we make the messes bigger and bigger in our life. And he sits by the sidelines saying, I have more for you. There's more than this. I will exceed your expectations. You're looking for something that will fulfill you. I will give you a fulfilling life, more fulfilling than you have ever dreamed of having. You're looking for someone to accept you. You're looking for someone to love you. I will love you. I accept you. You're looking for peace. You're looking for rest. I will give you peace and rest. But Jesus says, if that's going to happen, you have to take me seriously. You have to take me seriously. You have to decide to trust me completely and follow me fully. So today, as we talk about making 2017 less messy, the answer that we want to give to you is pretty simple. Get serious about Jesus. If you want 2017 to be less uh, messy, get serious about Jesus. Or if you're serious right now, stay serious about Jesus. Make sure Jesus is more than just an afterthought or more than just someone that you turn to in bad times. Really put Jesus first. And you're thinking, okay, touching story, good thoughts, but my life is really a mess. I don't think just getting more serious about Jesus is going to clean that up. I honestly believe it will. I honestly believe it will. I like what the great Christian author A.W. Tozer said. He said, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. Getting serious about Jesus and following him fully really can solve thousands of problems in your life. Here's how the Bible says it in Proverbs 3, 
Trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. I probably could end the message right there. But if you know me, you know I'm not going to do that. I want to spend a little more time giving you some hints about what it means to take Jesus seriously. Your campus pastor and I want to share with you some specific things that you can do that will help you make 2017 less messy and take Jesus seriously. First, take Jesus seriously by pursuing God. By really pursuing God. At Impact, we call this reaching up to God. And God promises when we pursue him, we will find him and he will bless us. Look at this passage from Jeremiah 29. I say this because I know what I'm planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. Then you will call my name. You will come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will search for me, and when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. That first part of the verse we hear quoted quite often about God giving us a future and a hope, and I love those verses. But then it talks about us actively pursuing a close relationship with him. It says, when we pray, he will listen, and when we search for him with all our hearts, we will find him. And I'm very simply telling you again, your life will be less messy in the next year if you actively pursue God. You search for uh, his answers to your mess. You search for his peace. You search for his strength to deal with those hurts and those habits if you actively pursue him. Let me give you an idea of what it means to do that. To actively pursue God, I need to spend time with him. I need to spend time with him. And we've talked about this before, but if you're going to uh, take him seriously and pursue him, you have to spend time getting to know Jesus. It has to be a priority. And that means you need to spend time reading your Bible and praying. The Bible is the primary way that God speaks his truth into our lives. Prayer is the way that we talk to him and that he hears our hearts and that he ministers to our hearts. And for about three years now, we have suggested that you use our SOAP plan. The letters to the word SOAP are just an easy way to remember the steps that you should take in your own quiet time. S stands for scripture, and you read a section of scripture and choose one verse or one passage that stands out to you. And we suggest that you write out that verse in your journal, or if you do it on your computer like I do, that you type it in to your computer. And O stands for observation. You just write down in your own words what the verse seems to be saying and why you think God may be having it stand out for you on that day. A stands for application. Write down what you think God might want you to do differently or how you should think differently as a result of that verse. And then the P in SOAP stands for prayer. I write my prayers out 
Just ask God to help you apply those verses to your life and to follow him more fully. Now, this soap process can be done in just a few minutes a day. It doesn't have to take hours, just a few minutes. And some of you can do it first thing in the morning because you can just set the alarm earlier and get up. I tend to do it just before I go to bed at night while the house is quiet. Some do it on their lunch break. But find the time that works best for you, but spend time with him. Spending more time with him is also why church attendance should be a priority. Getting here every week, unless you're ill or out of town, lets God speak to your heart in different ways. Sometimes he speaks through a powerful song that we sing. Sometimes he speaks through an encouraging word that someone uh, speaks to you while you're here. Occasionally, he even speaks through the message that we bring. But it's powerful to spend time with God together with other people in a worship service. So spending time with him is an important way to pursue God. But I also need to take advice from him. I need to take advice from him. I used to do more counseling than I do now. Today we have a person on our staff who does a better job than I do with pastoral counseling and support counseling. But one thing frustrates me about counseling. People would come in, they would pour out their story, they would ask my advice, they would listen to my advice, and they would tell me that my advice sounded wise, and then they would leave and not do anything that I suggested. They would not take any of the advice that I'd given them, and then they'd come back and talk to me again and wonder why their life was still a mess. It was pretty frustrating. You know what I felt those times in counseling people must be what Jesus feels every day from you and I. I mean, reading our Bible and hearing God's word only works if we do what he says. And his word gives us instruction for how to deal with most of the messes in our life. He's told us what to do. And our lives get less messy when we listen to what he has to say, when we take his advice. I honestly believe our marriages and our finances and our jobs and our relationships will be less messy in 2017 if we will decide just to take Jesus' advice. Just to listen to what he says and do it his way. We have to quit thinking that we know better. We have to quit thinking that we have a better plan. We don't. 2017 will be better if you pursue God by taking his advice and spending more time with him. Secondly, take Jesus seriously by unleashing compassion. By unleashing compassion. At Impact, we call this reaching out to others. We call this reaching out to others. Look at this verse from Galatians 5. My friends, you were chosen to be free. So don't use your freedom as, as an excuse to do anything you want. Use it as an opportunity to serve uh, each other with love. Use it as an opportunity to serve each other with love. Now, a few of you are thinking, Pastor, my life is messy enough. I can't seem to deal with my 
own messes, and now you want me to try to help other messy people with their messes? Yes. Yes. You want me to serve other people? Yes. And I know it seems strange and a strange way to deal with the messes in your own life, but I promise you that getting actively involved in unleashing compassion and serving other people would help your life to be less messy next year. Why do I believe that? Because I know something that you might not be admitting to yourself yet. Some of your messes are created by your own selfishness. Some of your messes are created by your own selfishness or your total focus on yourself. Focusing on others will help you to see that you aren't the only one with problems. In fact, focusing on others might help you discover that there are some people with problems that are even worse and bigger than yours, that they have bigger messes than you have. And I'm suggesting you don't just send a check, that you don't just encourage other people who are unleashing compassion. I'm suggesting you do it personally, that you do it personally. And you can unleash compassion personally by loving lost people. By loving lost people. That simply means you care enough about people to help them escape the consequences of their sin and help them find eternal life with Jesus. Every day, each of us run into people who don't know Jesus and don't have his forgiveness and his hope. And if you believe what the Bible says, these people are heading to an eternity of being separated from God. And they're heading to an eternity of punishment. If you believe what the Bible says, that ought to concern you and me. And we can unleash compassion simply by loving lost people enough to invite them to church. Or love them enough to build a friendship with them and get them comfortable with us so that we can answer their questions when they ask. And maybe 2017 is the year that God will use you to help someone that you love cross the line of faith, to help you help someone that you love go from lost to found, from condemned to forgiven. You can help them find eternal life and eternal joy and hope through Jesus. Now, another way that you can unleash compassion personally is by serving hurting people. By serving hurting people. There are so many people in our line of sight each day who are hurting. Some are hurting because their marriage is falling apart. Some are hurting because they absolutely hate their job, but they feel stuck in it. Some are hurting because they're getting further and further and further behind financially. Some are hurting because of an addiction. And many in our world are hurting just because of an overwhelming fear of everything that's going wrong in our world. They're just really concerned and overwhelmed with fear of everything that's going wrong. And God has given each of us talents and abilities to use to serve others. He wants to use us to reach out, to show compassion to others. And some do that here at Impact by rocking babies in the nursery. It's such a simple thing, but while they're changing diapers in there, 
God's changing hearts in here. And some are serving hurting people by standing in the lobby with a warm smile or standing in the parking lot and welcoming people or by driving the shuttle or by going on missions trips to other parts of the world or by working with our revolution program or by serving on our music team or our tech team or leading a growth group or in so many other ways. And there are many ways to serve hurting people. But test me on this. If you aren't unleashing compassion, test me on this. Volunteer somewhere. Love lost people in your line of sight and see if I'm right. I'm betting if you step away from your own hurts and unleash compassion by loving and serving lost and hurting people, your own life will get less messy. Your own life will get less messy and your own life will become more fulfilling. And now I want to turn the message over to Pastor Bill who will give you some practical advice for, to make 2017 less messy. You know, several years ago, I had the opportunity when I was in college to spend a whole summer in Africa on a missions trip. And I've, you know, I've shared stories with that before, but, you know, one of the amazing things when I came back home from the nine weeks I spent over there, all I wanted to do was share my stories, tell people about my experiences, show the pictures, and, and just um, help people to, to see what I saw. But something I learned as much as I showed pictures, as much as I shared stories, nobody I told could grasp what I saw. No one I told could grasp what I experienced. Why? Because pictures just don't cut it. There is something to be said when you actually see something with your own eyes, when you actually understand it with your, your own experience. That's why we need to go to our third point of this message, and that is taking Jesus seriously by building community. Taking Jesus serious by building community. So often, we build community in the form of Snapchat. You know, in our social media mentality, we fall into the lines of social media. And for those who, that don't know what Snapchat is all about, it's a form of social media. It is a forum where people can send pictures or brief videos to a friend. And the recipient of these messages can only view them for a few seconds before the uh, image or the videos get deleted um, on its own. And this is what our community sense has become. It's become this reality of only allowing people so much of who we are. We only give them a quick glimpse. We don't really let them in, and then we try to delete it out of their memory. But that's not community. See, if we follow Jesus, his desire is for us to build real and authentic community. See, Jesus had a different plan. In Jesus' plan, community was everything. Community was sharing meals. It was sharing stories. Community was sharing life together. That's what it's all about. It is, it's time for us to really take Jesus seriously and build real, authentic community, even though our, our, our culture challenges us otherwise. I mean, it's a culture where 
we all just drive into our garages and close the garage doors, and rarely do we know our neighbors. When I was a child, I ran through all the yards, and my yard and their yard was really just the same yard. I didn't know where my line ended and theirs began because I just played in everybody's yard. But now we live in a community where it's quickly get in the house and that's it. But Jesus said, we need real community. Why? Because we were created for community. We were created for community. And we need to understand that, that God has a real plan for us. Jesus had a specific model for us in how he created us. And this is what he real, helped us to realize as he gathered together his closest disciples. Look at these words in Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, as the Bible lists Jesus' closest companions. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. So often when we read the Bible, we quickly read over these verses, but we don't understand the reality and the magnitude of these names. Because this list of men included all the social classes. It included all the denominational backgrounds. It included different educational levels, along with personality differences, pride issues, sin struggles. You name it, these men had it. And Jesus said, let's build a community. Let's come together and build a community. The bottom line is this. We must stop using the excuses of not being good enough. We must stop using the excuses of not knowing enough that keep us from building community. You know, I hear it so often that I don't get into a growth group because, well, I don't know enough yet of the Bible. Or, or I'm not good enough. Or whatever the excuses are. Can you just help me out right now? And let's all just throw those excuses away. Because building community is not about being good enough. It's not about knowing enough. It's about saying, I need each other. I need these people in my life. I mean, think about it. What would have happened in the history of the church if Simon Peter, you know, the man who Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. What would happen if this man, Peter, told Jesus, yeah, I'd love to join your little group, but I'm just a fisherman. I don't know enough of the Bible. I mean, I don't know all the stories. I don't know all the writings as well as all these other people. I'm not good enough. And if he just walked away and never got involved, what do you think would have happened to the history of the church? Oh, I'm sure God would have followed through on his plans. God's kingdom would have advanced, but Peter would have missed out. And just think, for those of us who are using excuses as to why not to get into a group, what we're missing out on. It's bigger than just hanging out with a group of people. It's bigger than that. It's realizing and understanding the power and love of God in your life as he begins to use you to meet the needs of others. That's what we need to do. You know, I hear it on numerous occasions as well, people who tell me, that they don't need the church. They, they, they believe in Jesus, they pray, they can do this faith journey on their own, but really, 
Really? Can we really do this by ourselves? You know, here's the biblical truth. Jot this down in your notes. Our faith grows in relationships. Our faith grows in relationships. There is no other way. This is Jesus's model. His model was discipleship through relationships. You want to know Jesus more? You find and learn about him more in the development of the relationships in your life. You know, in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, the, the main character is George Bailey. And if you've watched that movie recently, you've seen that George Bailey wanted to live life his way. He wanted to live his life. He wanted to see the world. But what he didn't realize was that little old town of Bedford Falls needed him. And quite honestly, he needed that little old town. And at the end of the movie, George opens this book with a note that the angel Clarence wrote to him that said, remember, no man is a failure that has friends. There's some great truth in that. Because whether you realize it or not, growth groups need you. And you need the groups. And a lot of times we're missing out on what God wants us to become because we're pushing away the relationships that we need in our life. Look what the Bible has to say about the need for real relationships in Proverbs chapter 27. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is a very hard verse to swallow because what this is saying is relationships are needed, but not just acquaintances, real relationships, because in real relationships, what this verse is saying, conflict happens. And conflict is needed. Why? Because it sharpens us. As iron sharpens iron, do you know what happens when you, when you rub two pieces of iron together? It creates a spark. But in that spark, the, the blade is sharpened. And the same is true in our development within relationships. And so often we struggle to grow in relationships because we don't deal with conflict well. We run away from it, we avoid it, or we create more of it by how we respond to things. And the reality is conflicts are needed because they sharpen us, they keep us accountable. We need those in our lives, in our life. But in order to be, have healthy relationships that thrive, we need to allow conflict to happen because strength is found in a healthy dealing of conflict. So in other words, in the relationships that you have, when conflict comes, don't run from it. Don't create more of it. But how you respond in conflict matters. It really does matter. You know, the myth is that we can follow Jesus on our own. But that myth has been busted. We need each other. And we need to grow in our relationships and also realize something else. In healthy relationships, we find encouragement and accountability. Why? Because our surroundings matter. Our surroundings matter. So what do you surround yourself with? Who or what do you build relationships with? We all build relationships with someone or something, and who is that for your life? Because our surroundings matter. Oftentimes, we fall in love with other things, building relationships with people or things that cause 
our own self to spiritually decay. But look at this verse back from Matthew chapter 10. It says this, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. This is a very interesting line that was added to the list of all the disciples. Here was this man. He was a part of the 12. He was in the inner circle. He was building the relationships. But somewhere along the line, this man betrayed Jesus. Did you catch that? So what happened? Well, if you read the stories in the Gospels about Judas, you kind of get the glimpse that Judas began to fall in love with other things, namely money and wealth and the worldly desires. And his love for this world negatively affected his ability to build community. And before you know it, he walked away from it. And he lost everything. And his life ended in misery. And so often we live in messy lives because we push away the community that we need around us. And we try to do it on our own or we fall in love with other things that pull us away from the community that we need. So what about you? Are you building community in your life? Think about it. Within your own home, what community are you building? What community are you building in your home? If, you have, if you're married, if you have kids, or whoever you're living with in your house, what community are you building with? Because so often we allow work or other things to consume us, and we neglect the community that needs to be built within our own home. So what are you doing there? Secondly, how are you building community within the church? primarily by being plugged into a group. You know, within this larger family of what is impact, you will find blessings within the smaller families that are the growth groups. There you will find accountability and encouragement and, and, and a source of strength in your times of hardships and all the things that you are seeking in your life, you will find it in those groups because we need to take this seriously. We need to stop trying to do things on our own and find the blessings of the other people that are around us. Because then and only then will you find the peace in your heart when we allow God to love us and love others through us. So today, between Pastor Steve and myself, we looked at some real things of how we can overcome the messiness of our life. But now it's your turn. At some point, we need to take what we've heard and what we've read in the Bible and begin to apply it in our life. So what will you do today? What will you do this year? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just thank you because you are the giver of life. You are the, you are the author of everything that is good. Lord God, we love you. And Lord, we want to take you seriously. We want to pursue you. We want to unleash compassion. We want to take you seriously by building community so that we can truly experience the blessings that only come through you. Lord God, we want to experience your love as we experience the love that you want us to share with others. Lord God, as we begin this new year, may we begin it by following you every step. It's in your name we pray. Amen.